0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Mark chapter 14, and I'm going to jump in in just a moment. I'm really excited because uh, Easter Sunday is in uh, just two weeks, and we're going to do a four-part series in three weeks. And so we're, gonna, we're calling this from the garden, the garden and the grave. And we're going to start today in the Garden of Gethsemane. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk and teach you about the journey that Jesus had to make to get to the cross. On Good Friday, we'll have our very first ever Good Friday service right here at the El Rey. Come on, make some noise if you're excited. And that night, I'll talk to you about the finished work of the cross And what Good Friday means. And then on Easter Sunday, we'll talk about the grave and how our God robbed the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated death. That's your cue to clap and get really crazy, right? That's your You guys are the best. And um, and so we're talking about garden and the grave. Now, if you don't know nothing about the Bible, this is an amazing uh, part of of the Jesus story. So, So Jesus, towards the end of his life, he... He gets on this colt. It's a borrowed. It's a borrowed donkey. And he comes into the city. And all of his crew throw down these branches. And they it's Palm Sunday next Sunday. And they they yell out Hosanna! Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And they go crazy for him. And he enters into the city where he will have the Last Supper. With his crew, they sit down. They have a meal. In the middle of the meal, maybe towards the end. The guy that is to betray him, a guy named Judas Iscariot, slips out to go sell out Jesus. Jesus, not fazed by what Judas does, finds an apron and a water basin and goes and washes the disciples' feet. He finishes and sits back down he says, guys, you guys call me master, right? And they're like, yeah. Okay, if I'm the master and I washed your feet, you should go and do the same. Translation at Zoe Church, we don't fight against each other, we fight for each other. Come on, anybody down to be that kind of church that if you're on our team and you're on our side, we're going to serve you and wash your feet. We'll let all the fighters be out there. We're going to fight for each other in here. Amen to that? So he washes feet. Now the first place he goes after the Last Supper is into the Garden of Gethsemane. The scripture tells us this is a place that he would often bring his crew to pray. They would often go into this garden and they would do what they're about to do. They would pray. Now, Gethsemane translated means oil press. And I think it's important and symbolic that Jesus has gone into the oil press garden where there's olives. Anytime you want to get the oil, you got to crush something. You've got to press something. Now, remember, in Scripture, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, or oil is symbolic of anointing. We do this once a year at Zoe, where after our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we pray over our whole church, and we anoint people with oil 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 is symbolic of the anointing jesus to become the anointed one first must become the crushed one he has to get pressed and i'll just encourage you if you want to go to another level in your faith and another level in your life you're going to have to go through some crushing and some pressing to get to that level of anointing somebody clap right now and thank god for the crushing you might be here and be like, dude, that's weird. Why would I thank God for getting crushed? Because I just believe this. The higher you want to go, the lower you have to become. Wow. Wow. The greater you want to be used, the more pressed you have to let God become in your life. It goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and it is here that for the first time we see truly How human Jesus is. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. Walks on water. Heals any sickness. Jesus is like a superhero. Like he just, name it, he does it. Like guy filled with legion of demons, boom, cast out. Uh, 5,000 men, women, and children, A couple loaves of bread, few fish, feeds them all. Like Jesus turns water into wine and walks on top of it. He's the man we see in the garden. He's totally human. Like this is the most human you're ever going to see Jesus because it is here in the garden of Gethsemane that he feels crushed. He feels anguish. He feels sorrow. He is sad. This is a moment that almost feels too big for the humanity of our Savior. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. Now, mind you, there are only 11 left. Judas of the 12 has gone out to betray. So Jesus brings the 11 and he has eight stay in a certain section of the garden. He takes his three, his three guys, Peter, James, and John. He brings them a little bit closer and a little bit further to where, to where it's just them. Remember, Peter, James, and John are the ones that Jesus loves. Like they all have the BFF necklace. These are his guys that he also brought onto the mountain of transfiguration. They have been rolling with him. He says, You three wait here. And Jesus goes off, the Bible says, a stone's throw away, and he goes by himself to pray. It will be here in the garden of oil pressing that he will feel pressed, he will feel tested, he will feel pushed to a limit he's never known before. It's in this garden that it all changes. Watch here what it says in Mark 14 and read here how the author Mark puts the experience. He says, and they went to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, oh, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Anybody that's ever been to Chick-fil-A, say amen. Amen. The flesh is weak. And again he went and he prayed and saying the same words. And again he came and he found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time. Everybody say third time. And he came a third time and said, are you still sleeping? Taking your naps. It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I love this portion of Scripture, and I love the Garden of Gethsemane because I believe that there are truths about Jesus' life that parallel your life. We can find much of your life in the Garden of Gethsemane. I want to preach a message today. Write down the title. It's called Pushed pressed, and passion-tested. Pushed, pressed, and passion-tested. And you might be here today feeling like you are in the garden of Gethsemane, I want to encourage you today that God does not bring you into these gardens because he's upset with you. It's just that there is a whole nother level that he's bringing you into. There is a greater destination that's coming your way and it can't happen without a little bit of garden of Gethsemane. Anybody down, come on, to be led by the spirit into the garden that God has for you. Everyone that hates pain did not clap right there. I watched it. Somebody be like, Come on, let's pray, and let's believe that God will come and encourage us today. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you are who you say you are, and you can do what you said you would do. We are mindful this morning that you are in control. You're never caught off guard. You're never caught by surprise. You have a plan and a purpose. You have ordered our steps, so we surrender. And we say your will be done. Teach us today how to walk with you and how to receive your overwhelming grace. We love you more than anything else. And, God, we thank you that you have the Lakers in the Garden of Gethsemane. They are being oil-pressed for the greater breakthrough that's coming. Anoint them for the task in Jesus' name. And everybody said together. Come on, Angelinos, clap your hands. I got a toast for that. That was a pitiful clap. So insincere. Right now, number one, I'm going to jump right in. Preparation for destination. What I love about the garden of Gethsemane is it represents that before you step into your destination, you got to have some preparation. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane because this is the preparation for his destination and he can't carry his cross. He can't receive his whipping. He can't receive the crown of thorns. He can't hang on the cross without first getting alone and getting his mind right, without first getting by himself and getting a little resolve and a little backbone and start getting his imagination right and start to visualize, I know what's about to come. I know my betrayer's on the way. I know I'm about to get cross-examined. I know the crowds are going to chant against me. I know I'm going to get mocked and betrayed, but I'm ready. This is some preparation for some destination. And I wonder right now if you're not just in a season where God is just preparing you for your destiny. Some of you are mad like, why am I in the garden? Why am I being pressed? God wants to get a greater level of anointing, a greater level of effectiveness, and you can't get to that level, come on, without some garden of Gethsemane. It's not that he's mad. It's just there's more in you. And it always comes with a crushing. It always comes via pressing. It always comes with the testing of passion. He brings him into the garden of the oil press because he's preparing him for destination. Now I love this part because Jesus, we see how human he is. Words like sorrowful. Words like anguish. Words like throwing himself on the ground. This is not out of tantrum. This is just his humanity. He's about to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He's about to die for all of your guilt and all of your shame. And it is in this moment that Jesus can begin to feel the sins of the world come upon Him. All of the filth and the perversion, all of the hate, all of the racism, all of it is starting to hit Him right here and right now. This is His preparation. But without this moment, who knows if he could have walked to Golgotha? Without this moment, who knows if he would have gone through the crucifixion? This is his preparation, because he knows what's what's his store. It's his destination. And some of us don't ever walk in our destination because we keep bailing out of our preparation. A lot of us just want destination, but we. We buck the preparation. Wow. You can't get to what God has for you without a little garden called Gethsemane, without a little oil press, without a little passion test, without God pressing you and doing things in you that are uncomfortable. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's like, I don't, I don't want to do this, but he knows there is, there is no such thing as Messiah without suffering. You cannot be the Christ without crucifixion. He knows it's inevitable. He can't delay it. It, 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 It's it's what Isaiah prophesied about. Watch what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53. I love these scriptures. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Jesus knows it, doesn't he? He knows he's got to be crushed. He knows he's got to be pierced. He knows he's got to wear the weight of the sins of the world. And so this is his preparation for his destination. He is digging deep within himself. He is getting resolve. He's getting visualization. He knows the betrayer's coming. He knows Pilate's coming. He knows Barabbas is coming. He knows everything that's about to transpire. But without this moment, he might not make it through. I love that. Because sometimes in your life, if you're really going to step into your next level, you got to get some preparation in your life. It's like a boxer before a match. It's like an athlete before a game. Put on the headphones, going to some mental, channeling what the inner strength of knowing I, I'm going to be okay. Right. Yeah. We had the worst week of our family's life this last week besides our daughter's diagnosis. It was on Monday, this last Monday afternoon we were in the offices and we received word that our brother-in-law, 34 years old, on vacation in Palm Springs had had a brain aneurysm which led to a stroke. And we went out to Palm Springs and we sat with our brother-in-law who would eventually pass away on Tuesday evening, leaving behind Julia's sister Leslie and three, two beautiful boys, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. He was meant to preach his first sermon today, this Sunday, at my father-in-law's church. Led the kids' ministry you've never met a nicer or a greater person in all your life kind godly funny talented the best of the best and the the most beautiful part of the story to me cuz when tragedy hits you got to redeem it and find the beauty in it when tragedy strikes you got to find the god stuff in it and the god thing i found besides the the reality that today, Ryan is in a better place. Come on, anybody believe in the hope of heaven? Come on, he's in a greater place than you and I today. I, I wish we could just clap right now and thank God that he's no more, No more tears, no more sorrow, no more heartache. Is anybody excited that there is a greater place when we die? And it's called the hope of everlasting life. So my faith says that's where he is right now. Streets of gold, banqueting table, singing with angels, and we'll be reunited once uh, once we all pass. But but my favorite part was was that Julia and her sisters and the family were in the in the room right before he was right as he was going to heaven, and for two hours with an acoustic guitar, they were worshiping God, singing songs like Cornerstone, singing songs like Ten Thousand Reasons. The world would say, you don't even have one reason to worship God. And yet here's a family singing, we got 10,000 reasons to worship God. That's inspiring faith. Somebody say amen. And they're worshiping, and they believe it was during that song that he went to heaven. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And as he goes to heaven, the most inspiring moment to me was Leslie, his wife, the widow. She's worshiping God over her passing uh, husband. And she's, she's, she's digging deep in herself. She's preparing for her destiny. For the mother she has to be. For the business leader she has to be. For the person she's got to become. She's digging deep. She, it's her garden of Gethsemane. There's got to be a there's got to be a resolve. There's got to be a, a visualization. There's got to be a commitment. There's got to be a backbone. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knows what's in front of him, and he doesn't like it, and he doesn't want it, but it's preparation for his destination. I love the Garden of Gethsemane because it reminds me it's preparation for destination. Write down number two. It reminds me. It it, it, it represents surrender. That your life is a collection of surrender moments to God. Your life is just a beautiful collection of surrendering to God's will over your will. And you can do that every Sunday, you can do that once a season, you can do that every year at conference, or you can do that every single day. It represents surrender. Because it is here in the Garden of Yosemite when Jesus is in anguish and Jesus is in sorrow and he is in pain and he is praying and he is saying to his father, he is not praying a prayer like this. God, this is so awesome. I just can't wait. Thanks for choosing me. I'm pumped. I can't, this is going to be awesome. Can't wait for the movie to come out. Jim Caviezel is going to be amazing. You know what He's praying. He's praying, "Father, I don't want to do this." All things are possible through You've got all the power. If it's Don't make me drink this cup. I don't want to go through with this. I don't want to face nevertheless not my will, but your will be done. This is all of life. All of life is a battle of wills, and it's either God's will or your will. It's either God's plan or your plan. It's what God wants or what you want. But when you get to the place of surrender, you say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll give whatever you want me to give. I'll forgive whoever you want me to forgive. Somebody thank God today. We are not in a will battle. We are surrendering our lives to God. Look at how he says it. Mark 14, put it on the screen. He says, yet, not what I will, what I will, but what you will. Life gets really easy when you pray a prayer like that. It is a simple, agonizing prayer. It is a very a uh, 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 few words of prayer and yet it is the biggest prayer you'll ever pray there is not a larger prayer that you can find in your vocabulary that's bigger than this prayer this is the most single most important prayer you'll pray on this planet I surrender my life I give up my plans here is my money here is my body here is my gifting not what I want but what you want I'm not in control you are in control I'm not the boss you are the boss This is a dangerous, it's a dangerous prayer and it's a hard prayer because most of us, if I can be, if we can be really honest, most of us want to love God, but not give him control. I want to love you in the cute confines of my Christian paradigm. And this is about where I, whoa, 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 Jesus, you're asking a bit much. Once a month on a Saturday, who do you think I am? Mother Teresa, my God. That's a lot. Tithe. <laughs> what? I'll, 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 I'll give a, I'll, don't make, I'll get on pushback. I'll do it. But tithe, most of us don't want to surrender control. It's a battle of wills. This is the same issue Jonah had. God's like, Jonah! We need you to go to Nineveh. Tell them about Jesus. John's like, nope. I'm going to Tarshish. Not your will, but my will be done. This is the battle that you're in. This is the battle that we're all in. It's a battle of wills. I watch it every day with my three-year-old and my five-year-old. Every day. (laughs) I'm like, don't do that. And then they go do that. The other day, I was telling my three-year-old not to throw rocks at our windows. This is just common sense. Do not throw rocks at our windows. Hear this rock against my window. Come out, Maverick. Did you throw a rock at a window? He goes, No, Dad, I threw two. (laughs) I just started laughing so hard. I was like, Pounded. That's that's great. That's comedian. I like that. I like that. (laughs) The beautiful example of Jesus is that even Jesus submitted to the. To the Father's will. And a lot of us want destination, but we don't want preparation. And we want it on our terms, in our way, in our confines, in our box. And Jesus is like, actually, here's the cup. I can't use you until you die to self the greatest life you could ever live is when you just surrender your whole life to yeah. Jesus. Yeah. You gonna know, wake up tomorrow and just be like, not what I want, but what you want. And then just watch what happens. Yeah. Wow. Just live it out. And you find God wanting you to forgive. God wanting you to be kind. God wanting you to serve. God wanting you to be authentic. Jesus in the garden of the pressing. He's filled with all kinds of emotions. Because even Isaiah said he had to go through this. He does not want to do this. He is crying out. This is so human. This is so comforting. This makes the temptation in the wilderness so real to me for him. He's human, wasn't he? Humans, humans pray like this and cry like this. Humans call it. If you've ever been pressed, you don't pray cute prayers. You ever been pressed? You're like, I'm mad at you. Why? No. Ha! Not what I want. What you want? I don't even like saying it out loud but I believe you're good, and I believe you're awesome, and you got a better plan. And even though I'm emotional, you're the man. You are awesome. You got a be- So I just submit. I know I feel some way, but I know you're awesome, and I know you're mighty, and I know you're in control. So not what I want, but what you want. But I'm emotional. That's a real prayer right there. I love Jesus because he gets real in the garden. So, number one, it represents the preparation for destination. Number two, it represents surrender to me. I love the garden because number three, it represents intentions versus actions. Yeah. There is always a gap between your intentions versus your actions. Your motives are good. Your actions are not. My intentions are awesome. My actions are not. I wanted to be there. There is a gap between who you want to be and who you really are. There is a gap between who you profess to be and who you really are. And here in the garden, it gets exposed. There is some guys that are rolling that want to be roll dogs and want to be down and want to be there for him. But they can't because they're flesh is bigger than their spirit because there's always a difference between intentions versus, if I was judged off my intentions I'd be the greatest person in the world how about you? I've got awesome intentions, anybody else? My actions don't always line up with my intentions or my motives. It is here in the garden that eight are back here. Three roll a little closer, and he says, guys, I love Jesus. He says, guys, stay here and pray lest you enter into temptation. This, This is not even, guys, pray for me. This is the hardest moment of my life. This is, guys, you need to pray lest you enter into temptation. Who's he talking to? Peter. He's saying to Peter, hey, slugger, you're about to get tempted to deny me three times. And this is your opportunity to build your faith and get stronger and get your preparation for destination and get your surrender on and get your strength on lest you fall into temptation. Translation, the Bible is teaching us how we are not seduced and how we do not succumb to any whimsical idea or any any, anything of the flesh. We actually need prayer. So he teaches them. He says, guys, please, let's just read it. Put up on the screen. I love this thought. Put up Mark 14. He says, and he came to the third time. And he said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your little nappies? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is being betrayed in the hands of sinners. Taking your nap. How's your nap going? Three times. First time, they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. Second time, the Bible says they don't even say anything. They're just like. Third time, they just didn't even no eye contact. They just walk away. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Peter tries to make up for it by cutting somebody's ear off. Jesus, is like, no, nah, I saw you sleeping. Don't even try. Use a punk. You know it. I should call you Judas. <laughs> Kidding. He became a church builder. Whatever. Um, you remember growing up in class when the teacher is talking like right after lunch and you started to get like fall asleep in class. He tries so hard to keep, like on a road trip. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the only thing that wakes you up is you. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, I took my boys from Hollywood. Oh, we were going to go over the west side of this park, and we are going to go uh, to Splash Pad. And from the distance, we got stopped at McDonald's, got the Happy Meals and the whole thing. And by the time we got to the, the park, I looked back, and these boys was gone. They was just like... Oh, I was like, so my, so my son, when we got, he's like, Dad, you said you are going to take us to the, to the splash pad. I said, like, I did. You was gone. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's your fault. He said, wake me up. I said, no, 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 trust me. You was out. <laughs> and, and, the, and the reality is, what does he say? Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is so weak. Can't you relate to that? I can relate to that. My spirit is on fire. Wait a second. Who's this other guy? What? Why, why, how come? I love God. I, I, said, I said his will. Why am I sleeping when I should be praying? Why am I? Why is there a distance between what I want to be and who I really am? Some of us relate because you're going, I want to so badly serve God, but I keep on not serving God. Wow. It's the gap, right? My spirit wants to be generous. My flesh is so stingy. My spirit wants to forgive so-and-so, but my flesh is filled with bitterness. My spirit says serve, and my flesh says serve yourself. He says your spirit is so strong, but your flesh is so weak. And here in the garden, it rem- it reminds me that there's a distance between intentions versus actions, and I don't know about you, but I'm trying to close the gap between my spirit and my flesh and be spirit-filled and spirit-led. Anybody else? How great is that? Imagine if Jesus was like, "Okay, guys, stay here, pray, lest you enter temptation." And, they, and he comes back, and these guys are huddled up, and they're praying, heart, soul, and strength, come on, we're, we're going to make it. We're not going to enter the temptation. What would the story look like if they wouldn't have not given in to the flesh, but given in to the Spirit? Like That's a whole different tale. That's a whole, and your story the same. Your life would look so different if you stopped rolling over to what the flesh wants and started rising up to what the Spirit wants. This love Galatians 6 Galatians 6 this beautiful verse Paul writes it. He says don't be deceived, God can't be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. For the man that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, and the man that sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap everlasting life. The Greek word there is Zoe life. Come on Zoe Church, if you want Zoe life, you got to sow to the spirit. This week, maybe make make it a declaration. I'm not giving to my flesh this week. So many of us, we just operate out of the flesh. Whatever flesh wants to eat, whatever it wants to say, whatever it wants to do, we are ruled and controlled by our flesh. We're found sleeping. No, let's be led and controlled by the Spirit of God. Come on, anybody down to let the Spirit of God be your leader, be your guide, and be your controller. Worship team, come join me. I love this. Write down number four. We are lonely yet never alone. The Garden of Gethsemane reminds me that even though I'm in the garden and I'm in the oil press and I'm feeling these things, I am lonely but I'm never alone. Again, he's got eight that have all been situated here. He's got three that have been left a stone's throw away. But then Jesus gets alone and it is now just him and God. You might be here going like, nobody looks after me. Nobody's in my corner. Nobody cares about my finances. Nobody cares what I'm facing. No, no, no. It's you. It's God. You are lonely. But you are not alone. And there is a big difference. Because even Jesus got away. But when he was away, and when he was all by himself, he was not by himself. In fact, just to make sure the Father, to ensure that Jesus knew how he would not leave him until sin, until sin was all on Jesus, the weight of it, God the Father was with him all the way. fact, watch what he does. Look, I love the way the physician Luke writes it. Luke writes it this way. Put it up. He says, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. None of this, Not not my will, but your will be done. And there appeared to him an angel, an angel, God, the Father, just so that Jesus knew that he was lonely but not alone, sent an angel. An angel? Yeah, he did the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in a fiery furnace. He did the same thing for Abraham when he was about to sacrifice Isaac. He sent a better sacrifice. He did the same thing for Daniel when he was in the lion's den he did the same thing for David when he was with Goliath he did the same thing for Noah when he had to build an ark he did the same thing for all the people in the Bible and he's done the same thing for you you're lonely you're not alone God is with you God is in the fire God is in the battle God is in the garden. on. I'm getting pressed on every side. Whoa! good, awesome. Stay there, don't bail. Please, please, please do not run away. This is, oh, this is preparation for your destination and you might feel like nobody's watching, nobody's taking care, nobody's, no, no, God's there. The Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I can go through anything in life just as long as I don't go through alone. I can go through anything in life just as I know somebody's on my side. Somebody's with me in the fire. Somebody's with me in the water. Somebody's with me in my garden. Come on, somebody give them a praise. Like you know that you've never been abandoned. You've never been forsaken. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. It is here in the garden. Jesus gets all the resolve that he needs. It gets all not my will oh I don't want to do this your will be done are you guys still sleeping who cares my betrayer's here I bet you Jesus walked out laser beam let's go kiss me on my cheek try it, kiss me let's go He doesn't have a garden. I don't know if he makes it to the cross. And I wonder if you keep leaving your garden and you keep leaving your oil press, if you'll ever get into your full potential. The greater the anointing, the greater the crushing. You might be like, This is discouraging, man. Came to church, and the pastor told me, you got to get crushed to be blessed. I don't know. I just look at my Jesus, and I look at my hero, and I'm like, if he could go through it, if he could drink that cup, if he could pray that prayer, if he could go through that, then God, what do you have for me? Amen? Come on, let's clap and thank Jesus together.